The Talking Bull podcast is back. Expect funny moments, plenty of action, and untold stories throughout the years. Brought to you by HP Polling. Welcome to the Talking Bull podcast brought to you by HP Polly. I'm Nicola Hume. This is the podcast where we talk all things Oracle Red Bull Racing. And let's be honest, what a 2023 this team has had. My goodness, 21 race wins. Their first ever Drivers' Championship 1-2. Their second consecutive Constructors' World Championship and nine blooming marvellous Talking Bull podcast episodes. Yeah. What more could you want? So, on today's episode, we are going to take a look back at some of our favourite moments of the year here on Talking Ball. So, first up, we caught up with the big boss man, Christian Horner, to talk about the flying start that Red Bull had. It's been the most successful start to a season we've ever had in mm. our history. So, to have won the opening three races, as you say, and a couple of one-two finishes, is beyond our wildest <laughs> expectations, imagination. Um, so, it's been a, a great start to what is an absolute marathon of a season. So we're um, not taking anything for granted at this point in time. Yeah, now I know I know it is a marathon, but also there must be a part of you that's that's feeling incredibly confident right now, surely. I think I've been around too long to, to uh, get complacent on anything. So there's <laughs> all that, always that nervousness of what's going to happen at the next race. Um, yeah, and updates are coming through. These regulations are still relatively immature. We know teams are going to have developments coming over the next few races. So, you know, things can change quickly in Formula One and uh, you're always looking over your shoulder. Now, I know you're saying that teams could be bringing in new things all the time. So are there particular teams that you've kind of got your eye on at the moment? Well, it's the usual candidates. I mean, the one, the team that's really surprised us, I think that everybody so far this year has been Aston Martin. Yeah. They've, they've made a great step forward and Fernando has been driving incredibly well. Um, and then Ferrari, Mercedes, they, they look like, you, you know, they're going to make a step at some point during the season. And, uh, and, and then, you know, even teams like Alpine are showing real, you know, flashes of, of, of pace and form. So, um, you can't write anybody off and that's, uh, you know, it'd be very dangerous to do so. I mean, there are there are some teams that have struggled with the, the regulation changes. There are some teams that have had a bit of an iffy start to the season. So what do you think in terms of confidence where you see yourself in 20 races time? Oh, 20 races. I mean, it sounds a long way. <laughs> it literally is 20 away, more but, races. Um, look, we've just got to treat each race individually and, and give our best at every Grand Prix that we go to. And then the championship tables... I've always said, of tend to take care of themselves. Mm. And so long as we turn up at each race, get the best out of ourselves, the drivers, the team, the reliability, the strategy, then you know, the championship tables, as I say, they're, they're, they tend to deal with themselves. Is there anything that's happened so far in the first three races that you are particularly proud of? I think, uh, you know, going out and getting a one-two finish in that first race is is always mightily difficult, particularly in the first Grand Prix of a year. Um, and I think it's been an incredible winter for you know the whole team. They've all worked incredibly hard off the back of last year's championship. You know, with the handicap of the less uh, aero time that we have, and so on. So uh, it's been a massive effort uh, by by everybody involved. And uh, you know, there's a real buzz around the factory. Uh, you can feel the energy, the, the the positivity that there is just around the place. And you know, results like we've had only only fuel that. One of the most fascinating episodes was when we got to sit down with the legendary Adrian Newey and we got to see that red notebook. You know the one. We saw it in the flesh. 
We're thinking big going yeah. 100. This is literally object, object number two, but <laughs> okay. we'll see how well, we, we get go. on. <laughs> so, uh, so you obviously warned me about this, Nicola. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> Welcome. I've chosen my faithful old sketch pad stroke notebook and my pencil. Oh, fabulous. Just there, yeah. Thank you. As you can see, it's... Um, it's been through the years. I yes. think I've had this for more than 10 years now. I'll be honest, most of it, uh, well, that's actually, so it's, that's, that's not the Australian notes. There we go. That's, that's not handwritten. <laughs> but you go a bit further in and you'll have all the junk. Because um, you're, you're quite old school, aren't well, you? I am. In a good way. There's no complaints there, but you're, no. quite, you're old school. Give me a pen and paper. Let me doodle it. You know, that guy. I, I am. I, I, pen and paper is my kind of, Default, if you like. Yeah. So I scribble a lot. I still work on a drawing board. And that, for me, as opposed to a CAD system, mm. and that, for me, is kind of first language. Yeah. So I graduated in 1980. As mentioned earlier, CAD systems didn't really kind of come to maturity until mid to late, mid-90s, let's say. Um, so I was been 15 years on a board by then. And... I kind of looked at other guys and they seem to, certainly the early CAD systems, it's changed over the last few years, but um, they spend a lot of time and a lot of energy getting the lines onto the onto the CAD. And once they'd done that, because they'd used so much energy doing that, they seem to be reluctant to use the electronic rubber. Yeah. Um, so I, I think certainly I can, for general layouts and concepts, I can work quite quickly with it. A pencil and rubber. Yeah. Um, I think through training effectively from a very young age, then I seem to be reasonably good at mentally vis visualising things. So the fact I can't draw in 3D doesn't bother me because I can easily break 3D into 2D. Yeah. Um, and that's, and as I say, I, I think more than anything, it's my first language. If I tried to now convert to a CAD system, then it, would be like talking foreign language. I'd never be as natural. So that's kind of part of my job is then drawing on the drawing board. Um, then have a, a team of two or three people who take my drawings, scan them, because now everything has to be in, into digital form at some yeah. point. And then they turn those into 3D drawings and so forth. But before you get to the drawing board, you've got to have the ideas in the mm -hmm. first place. And that's where the sketch pad I mean, I said, I said, I said to the team where we knew that we were going to come up with the 100 objects. I, I remember saying to the team, I was like, I'm going to be disappointed if it's not a paper and pen that you bring in. I just had a feeling that that's exactly yeah. what it was going yeah. to be. So I'm so pleased. Object number two, going into our Hall of Fame is your notebook and pen. To celebrate Women in Engineering Day, we were joined by three incredible women that work here with Oracle Red Bull Racing. We were joined by Hannah Schmitz, Anna Groom and Roseanne Elvin. And we spoke to them about what life is like here at the factory. Do you three know each other? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You do? Yeah. Is that bit, so do you ever get to kind of bump into each other and kind of work together and develop things together? Or is it just a case of bumping yeah. into each other while you're here at the factory? I've worked with Hannah before because I used to help with um, volunteer for the ops room. Um, yes. When, um, when I used to work for the F1 side. Exactly. Nice. So yeah. as I was saying, all that vital support we need. So um, students obviously help us out a lot of weekends and then staff are, are welcome to volunteer and help us out, like listening to driver radios and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, some great stuff sometimes like to, because obviously it's really, 
interesting to kind of feel part of the race yeah. and it's actually quite a nice environment it really to work makes in. you feel like you're part of the team when you do the op room because you really get to feel what actually goes on behind the scenes because it's quite because yeah, this place is so vast this factory is just i mean it's massive here that you would assume it might be quite rare for someone for three of you in three completely different departments knowing each other well enough and sort of working together is actually quite nice to see i wasn't expecting yeah. it and I think also because there aren't, you don't always see as many women around the factory. Sometimes we will do things like go for a walk at lunch or things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, we haven't actually done that for a while. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I do try the to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the intention's there. So like there is a little bit of a network if you want. I was, I was going to yeah. say, actually, myself walking around the factory, I have spotted quite a few women walking around. Is this something that you've noticed an improvement in? Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Like yeah. when I started, I think there were like seven of us at all in the do now that I feel like there's a lot more so, I love yeah. that yeah I mean I've I've worked in automotive and all of that for, for a few years so I know what it feels like to be a woman in a what is predominantly a men's industry but actually it's it's quite nice to see so many ladies doing so well and it's so inspirational for young girls seeing you three sat in this sat in these seats doing what you've done learning what you've learned and being sat where you're sat which you know a few years ago probably wouldn't have happened next we got stuck in with the drivers we spoke to daniel ricardo and his former race engineer simon rennie now we recorded this the day after they announced that he was going to be joining alpha tauri but on the podcast we spoke to him about what it was like regaining his confidence as red bull's third driver so it started with the simulator you know the first thing i did uh, in 2023 was a couple sim sessions and that was for sure just for me to get back into the groove and yeah to learn the car but just kind of get back into my flow and then um, I, I don't think that was as easy as you thought it was going to be yeah because I, I went while she was talking I was thinking I was quite when he first came back I was quite surprised knowing Daniel when he came back how he was I didn't say this to you at the time no no this is a good, this is a good. I was, therapy session I, I, I I don't deny it. No, he was almost like he was a little bit... Timid? No. Well, yeah, you were a bit... You were definitely not as confident as I know you are. And you were just like a little bit hollow in a way and and was felt like you were doubting yourself a little bit and you were, you were a bit concerned about whether you could do it again because obviously you'd had good success with us and you like the last couple of years haven't been quite successful, but... And and it didn't necessarily click straight away in the simulator. And it took you that first day that we did together. I don't know if you left with a, a good feeling or not after that mm-hmm. first day. You still seemed a little bit unsure of it all. And then you went away, had a bit of time off at home. And then the next time you were in, it was like you were already a bit more bouncy. Maybe you'd had a bit more time to think about it. You're a bit more like, say, halfway back to being yourself. And then we had a good day on the simulator and I think you just drove it and naturally like you wanted to do and it just sort of clicked a little bit and then the confidence and then snowballed and you built and built and built and then by the end of that day or the next day you felt like yeah oh, he's back again and it's more like a normal Daniel that we were used to from the past but it was really marked the first time that we saw him again you were a bit subdued hmm. I say I mean, but it's Christ- nice to see him back yeah, again Christian now. said pretty pretty much the same thing how does that make you feel hearing that from him no it's it's good like I mean I in a way, I I don't mind hearing that at all because it also makes me feel a little bit better in a way about, for whatever, let's just call it the last year because um, obviously my results weren't 
what I expected from myself, what anyone probably expected from me. And I think stepping out of that and having a bit of time off over summer and, and knowing I wasn't going to be racing this year, so just having time to think about other things, then obviously getting back in, I became, obviously people were aware and then I became aware of, oh yeah, okay, I, I had I had lost a little bit of something, you know, in, internally and um, and he's right. Like the first day I was, yeah, still unsure and, and probably still some, call it habits maybe from the past year, was still there. So it, it, it took me a little bit of time to kind of start fresh. And, and I think that's why it took, you know, a good day to, yeah, empty it all and then Find go. Your feet. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of go, go from there. So, you know, I think as well, the older you get, the more, you know, as, as a kid, like, you know, I got into this sport at 22. What do you have to worry about at 22? Like you're, you're a kid, you're, you're pretty naive and everything. Like, as I said, you, you feel invincible and you do one good race or one fast lap and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm the best. So, you know, I think the older you get, you realize that not everything is perfect and sometimes you will struggle, but it's, I think that's where I really have enjoyed the struggles as much as they suck you know, they, they really allow you to search for some answers and learn more about yourself and whether that's through self-learning or observing how others have observed me and hearing, you know, how I'm being seen. I think it's all, it's all part of it. Then, continuing with the drivers, we spoke to the king of the street circuits himself, Checo Perez, who, by the way, has had his best ever finish in Formula One. What a year Checo has had. So we sat down with him and his engineer, Hugh Bird, and here is Hugh Bird speaking about how difficult it can be to successfully guide a Formula One driver. One of the peculiar things about my job is that quite often I'm telling Checo to do things slightly differently, but with absolutely no experience of that firsthand yeah i present him with some data look you could be doing this try doing this it'll be a faster way to go around that corner but yeah never experienced it, it for myself <laughs> would you want him to uh, i love to i love to <laughs> to sit back and, uh, and tell him how to how to do it through the computer they should do like one random race where they just get the the engineers the race engineers driving the cars and the drivers controlling everything i'd love i'd love to do that because uh, the driver is like fully on the limit and then your race engineer will come and yeah it's, just make it faster. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, it's so easy. Yeah. I'll just give you my laptop. And, uh... Yeah, exactly. That would be a lot easier. <laughs> this is from uh, Jay Jesus, who says, with the increasing emphasis on data analysis and simulation, how do you find the right balance between relying on data and trusting your instincts? I mean, I guess when it comes to data, that's where you would come in and you would say, you need to take this corner in this particular way. But then you're the guy on the track who's yeah. like, no, I know I want to take this corner this way. How do you know which way to lean? Well, that's uh, a major part of my job, trying to find that balance. Mm. So it does start with Checo's subjective feedback, and that's guiding what we're doing, where we're going with the setup. But then I'm trying to marry that up with, uh, with the data. And if I can explain why the balance in term five was like this previous corner something else had happened and or there was a gust of wind and maybe that's corrupted some of his feedback then maybe trust more of the data and um if it reinforces what Checo's saying then uh, it's all a bit of a challenge to find find the balance between between the two 
I mean, there must have been a few moments where where Hugh said to you, "You should take take this like this," and you go, "Uh, no." <laughs> yeah, a lot of times, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, you are in the car and, yeah. and you are trying to explain how how you're feeling it, you know. But he can see other things, like he just explained. Mm. So yeah, it's always finding that compromise. And finally, we spoke to Max Verstappen. This was just after he had won his third world championship in a row. We had him and his rather lovely race engineer GP. And of course, how could we not speak to them about their iconic radio messages? Now, we've discussed the uh, little cheeky radio messages that you've had between each other, some of them a little bit heated, some of them a little bit cheeky. So your challenge, we've got three clips here and you will get half a point for each thing you get right. So I want the race and the year that this radio message happened. Okay, so we're going to go with clip number one. What a joke, mate. I can't even see where I'm going. So much vibration. Understood, Max. Well, if it's a uh, safety concern for you, we're happy to box. I'll just visit the dentist after the weekend. Clearly a very bumpy <laughs> race for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think that was related to the track surface. No, that was the uh, tyre vibration, don't you think? It, it must have been like 2020 in Silverstone, maybe. Is that is that the answer you're going for? I had Sochi in my mind, but maybe Sochi. it's not. Sochi. Oh wait. No, because that was actually quite a good race. I was not saying what a joke. Do you want to go Silverstone then? No, I think I have to rely you're on. You're gonna GPM. go Sochi. But the year. Yeah, what year was it? Because that can't be 2020. Nineteen. Ah. Cool. This is completely wrong. I yeah. think that's well, I mean, you're way off because yeah. none of that was right. Um, it was Portugal in 2021. That's when it was. <laughs> oh. You remember it well, I see. <laughs> oh, you guys. It's, got four, just, but yeah. that's it's an incredibly smooth track, so it must have been Tyvo. Yeah, I must have locked up. <laughs> <laughs> right, clip number two. Max, I think we're a little bit close for tyres at this stage. Silverstone. Silverstone, two thousand. Silverstone, two thousand twenty, the seventieth anniversary race. Uh, you didn't even have to hear the yeah, whole entire clip. I yes. knew exactly. I remember that Max too close to the cars. I was like, I could almost punch my own wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it was that la that last bit. I'm not just sitting behind like a grandma. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Like, I mean, like we've discussed three hours before. You mean Max, and you'd agreed to. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw. I'm going to win this race. I was like, I'm not sitting behind. I'm going to push them. Brilliant. Because they were so quick that year. And I was like, this is maybe my only chance this year to win it because we were better on tires that, that we can do to the compound selection. And uh, yeah, I was like, I'm going for it. <laughs> Worst case, we finished P3 anyway. So <laughs> love it. GP loved it as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, clip number three. I can also push on that we do another stop, a little bit of bits of training. Talked about it. No, not this time. <laughs> Come on then, what was the race in the year? <laughs> Spa 23. Is the correct answer. No, 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 this time. No pit stop training. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the best of Talking Ball 2023. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you've been watching on YouTube for the first time ever. I've loved every second of it. As a Formula One fan, living the dream right now. Bring on next season. And thank you for listening to Talking Ball. Look, if you have enjoyed this episode, then give us a little cheeky five-star rating. And look, if you want to leave a comment in the review section, then go for it. And we'll see you next time.